0: Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast.
1: Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm Peter, an 80s baby.
0: And I'm Alicia, a 90s baby.
1: And today we are reviewing the 1993 comedy fantasy, Heart and Souls. Uh, it is directed by Ron Underwood, and it stars Robert Downey Jr., Charles Grodin, Alfred Alfre Woodard, Kira Sedgwick, Tom Sizemore, David Paymer, and Elizabeth Shue uh, via IMDb. The plot is about a businessman who is reunited with the four lost souls who were his guardian angels during childhood, all with a particular purpose to joining the afterlife. Um, okay, and Alicia, what do we like to do before we get into the movie review?
0: We like to look at what else was popular that year in music, movies, etc.
1: Yeah, and let's start with the movies. I got a few written down here, but Rudy... Sean Astin, Notre Dame football. And
0: that's like, um, that's a sports film, right?
1: <laughs> it is indeed a sports film. It is about uh, about football. Uh, I feel that it's probably in a lot of people's mm, maybe top ten sports movies, maybe <laughs> or maybe football movie to expand it even more. Um, but you haven't seen that one or heard it of it.
0: No, I have not. So um, okay, but but it does sound like a cool movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a drama, you know, it's uh, about an underdog. So I, I think people, a lot of people do enjoy that movie. Um, how about Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes' Demolition Man? A uh, action movie that sets place in the near future.
0: Oh, yeah, I have not seen that one. <laughs>
1: All right. The uh, true, true Romance stars Christian Slater and one of the Arquette sisters, I want to say. I think that's uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, really? Hmm. I'll have to yeah. I'll have to seek that one out, but I have not seen it as of yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that title, True Romance, that's um. that was taken by the True Bromance Film Podcast, part of Falling Films. So oh. that's where they got the name from. Uh, Poetic Justice, Tupac Shakur and Janet Jackson.
0: No, <laughs> no.
1: They drive around cross country in a in a mail truck oh uh, wow i bet Tupac's... you like that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah two fox character was a mailman in that movie uh and the michael myers i'm sorry michael myers mike myers comedy so i married an ex murderer
0: and yeah that i'll have to put on my list because although i haven't seen it big mike myers fan really like yeah. wayne's world
1: <laughs> yeah maybe we'll put that on our list mm. uh, because that is what a movie i would like to cover too it's a it's one that i really enjoyed as a teen all right, and as far as the movies, uh, uh, well, that was the movies. But as far as music, the number one song at that time was "Can't Help Falling in Love" by UB40. I
0: yes. haven't even heard of that group. That
1: group, okay. <laughs> they, um, they, that was a basically a, a remake of Elvis's song "Can't Help Falling in Love."
0: Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. a remake got that popular
1: yeah yeah it was number one for oh. I, I think like at least four weeks or so but uh i i think it's because around that time um music that you know make uh make it to like a soundtrack and if the movie you know is commercially successful i guess then i don't know and usually like there, there's some kind of song but that particular song was a highlight in the movie sliver
0: oh okay yeah well that, that makes sense then
1: yeah so I know it is from a soundtrack, but I know that it was like one of their first like early hits too so but yeah uh the song that preceded it was uh week by s w v it's uh it's a it's a r and b group um i i don't know if like if you even heard it, you'd recognize it, but it was a it was a really good slow song uh and the one that supersedes it is mariah Carey's dream Lover
0: um no no No.
1: dream lover come and rescue me no okay (laughs) all right so uh the movie heart and soul did you recognize anybody in the movie
0: well of course i recognized robert downey jr and i forget which actress it was i know it was not elizabeth banks but i thought she like had striking similarities to elizabeth banks so i don't know if that counts for anything
1: Thank you for saying that because I have actually said that uh, very often. I felt that um, Elizabeth Shue and. And. uh, Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. They look a lot alike. Uh, One has an S in their name, the other one's with a Z, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, she, uh, Elizabeth Shue, she was also uh, the second Jennifer Parker in the Back to the Future movies. Uh, She was in Karate Kid. Um, what else is she known for? I always say this too, because I I always say she's not my Jennifer Parker. I associate her with Karate Kid and, oh, Adventures in Babysitting, which uh, I recently just did.
0: Oh yeah, I did see that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: see, so there you go. That's, uh, that was her movie. She was the lead in that one. So yeah, that recently, uh, I covered, um, with Nona and Jessica of the uh, Joy Sandwich podcast. So uh, but yeah, the Elizabeth Banks, she looks like a basically Elizabeth Shue like now, right? In this movie anyway. So they do have a lot of uh, they have a striking resemblance. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfred Woodard, uh, who played Penny, you, you don't know her from anything else?
0: No, I don't recognize her for the life of me.
1: You haven't seen Scrooged uh the bill bill murray charles dickens movie
0: no i have not <laughs> oh, okay
1: all right she she's uh she's in that movie too um but yeah she's been in a lot of other movies matter of fact i didn't um i have you check out the prim, uh, primal fear trailer back in the day
0: i i can't remember if that's one you showed me or not i, that, I, that, I feel like it, it had richard gear no well, I can check it out now. I'll check it out no. later today. <laughs> it's okay. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Check it out later, maybe uh, later today. But, yeah, she was also in that movie, which is also one I'd like to cover one day. Um, but, okay, uh, Tom Sizemore, not even him. Um, did you ever see, like, Black Hawk Down? Or... I did not.
0: <laughs> no, all right. Wait, is uh, he um, the Jersey guy?
1: yes. Okay.
0: I thought that he looked, you're so good. You remember the character's names. I, I'm terrible at that. Um, (laughs) But he, he looked so familiar. Like I was trying to figure out if I'd seen him anywhere because maybe he just has one of those faces, but I could have sworn I've seen it before.
1: I think I'm sure you have. He has a, like a long list of, of credits. Um, So yeah, he's done uh, quite, quite a bit of movies. Okay, so uh this movie in particular uh has not really a special place in my heart, but uh I really enjoyed it when it came out. I mean, I was 10 years old and uh I think this was one of the first movies where I actually got to see uh some behind the scenes stuff, you know. There used to be a show um when I was younger uh called Movie Magic. And obviously this is before like uh before DVDs, obviously. Um, so we didn't have access to bonus material, <laughs> supplemental material, you know, that type of content. And um, so this show, I forget what channel it was, you know, something like Discovery Channel. This is before we had like 600 channels. And, <laughs> you know, we probably only had like 80 at the point. Uh, oh gosh
0: such scrubs yeah <laughs> yeah
1: very poor we're a very poor family uh you know with the rabbit ears uh 10 on the tv too no but uh, movie magic was you know just a this show probably on discovery it was like half an hour and each episode would be about a movie and it would just be like the behind the scenes and the making of so heart and souls was one of those movies that I got to see on there and I'm like, Oh wow, that's really cool. So I was always fascinated by things like that, you know, the behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that added to, you know, my enjoyment of the film, just like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, I I, knew, I know how they did that film, but also I mentioned to you, that movie tough turf, right. I, I, I bring that on, I bring that up on this <laughs> show. Like I think often, But anyway, uh, Tough Turf was like an 80s movie uh, that also starred Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader. So uh, Tough Turf was also one of my really young childhood movies. And it's rated R, too, which is a funny thing. But Robert Downey Jr. has always kind of been like like a favorite actor of mine. So, you know, when I was younger, I would almost watch, you know, everything that he put out. There's still quite a bit of movies of his that I haven't seen, but this was one that I had seen, and just because of the fantastic uh, fantastic fantastical element of the movie, you know, it made me want to check it out. So at ten, I was eating it up, right? It's just I bet. <laughs> yeah, to me it's really good. Um And I think that's yeah, that's basically my history uh with the movie. But you obviously had not seen this until for the viewing of this review
0: ah yes um the brief history of my story with this movie um this dude peter he was like hey you should check out the trailer for heart and souls and see if you want to review it and i was like okay robert downey jr sign me up (laughs) and yes that is the briefest version
1: (laughs) this uh this peter guy sounds like a like an amazing dude
0: you know what
1: uh, he is great <laughs> you know one thing uh i did learn uh, while you know after the uh, watching this movie um recently is that I, I guess it was actually based on a a short film it was like nine minutes uh i think it's also written by the same guy um uh, so i i would like to see if i can find this short and just you know just kind of view it and see see how much changes were made you know uh um, but that was just really interesting because I didn't know it was based off of anything. So, um, But the movie, okay, so we'll just go ahead and, and, and dive in it now. Uh, it starts off in 1959 in San Francisco. We don't really get to meet them, but uh, there's a, um, uh, the Rileys, you know, this, uh, this man and woman. The woman's pregnant. And in this opening sequence, we meet uh, four main characters uh, from 1959. Uh, first of which is uh, Harrison. Harrison. And he's a singer. And now do you get that he's got stage fright or is it just a lack of confidence or or are they basically the same thing?
0: I I don't know if they're different things. I've always kind of assumed that they are very similar. Um, But he's he's got something all right. So (laughs) something (laughs) not conducive to a singing career.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, His character uh, is played by uh, Charles Grodin. And we we do find out that he's got no experience in singing. <laughs> and apparently uh, the previous year, he also tried uh, auditioning, which people actually thought that, the, that he had sung for them because he keeps bringing it up like, oh, last year. But uh, we know that he's from the library and he has studied singing. So he has he has like no singing credit uh, to his name. But uh, I like that the, there's that one scene where he's like uh, rehearsing in the hallway. Uh-huh. And then there's this uh, other man there, but later on, when Harrison is called up, he lets that other man go. So you know we get a I think we get quite a bit of his character right right here up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of him?
0: Um well, stories with stage fright and performing they just break my heart so much because as a violinist, I can kind of relate to stuff like that, and I just know how crippling that kind of fear can be. Um, And, you know, when when you see somebody who really loves something and they want to do it more than anything, but there's that one little barrier in their way. It's just, yeah, that stuff kind of touches me. So, yeah, I really liked his character. I can feel for him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And for those that want to hear more about you being a violinist, check out our episode on Mr. Holland's Opus.
0: We talk all about band camp.
1: We do. Yeah, we (laughs) we take you to band camp with us and uh, school you on some things. Um, all right. So the next person that they introduce is Penny, who is played by uh, Alfrey Woodard. Uh, I, I enjoy her very much. She's a great actress. Um, so we find out that she let's see, she's got some kids. she got a couple da- daughters and uh, a little boy named Billy, who uh, really loves her lullaby that she sings to him every night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's called Hug a Bug or something like mm-hmm. that. And I, I think we also find out that she works uh, late night as a switchboard operator. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was actually a switchboard operator, but I know she mentions like the, the night switchboard shift.
0: Yeah, I, I caught that. So that's I, a I don't good know. guess.
1: <laughs> it, it it would be, but I'm trying to think like in 1959. I don't know if, uh, you know, black women had jobs like that at the time. So I don't know. I, I just... I, it, it did kind of make me think like, wait, 1959. I, I wonder if she's like a switchboard operator because she doesn't write, outright say that. Um, but she also lives next door to this lady named Agnes who has like a million cats. <laughs> are you a cat person?
0: I am a dog person.
1: You're <laughs> Okay. So are you like not a cat person at all or just more of a dog person?
0: I Okay. So cats, if they're mean to me, I will not like them. <laughs> but some cats, you know, they... You walk in the room, they start rubbing up against your leg, and you just can't help but be swayed by that. Because I actually had a cat growing up, so, mm. like, like I can I can adjust to cats. Um, I was a bit mean to my cat because I was, like, a kid, and I saw this, like, furry thing that I wanted to give all my love, but I didn't know how to express my love for him in a way that he would enjoy. So, you know, we had our struggles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> The cats can get a little, get a little. I mean, like you said, how they come up to you and just start uh, arching their back up on your leg, like get off me, man, what's up? But um, yeah, the cats aren't much of a problem on the street. Uh, you know, being me, me being a mailman, but uh, I've had my, <laughs> I've had my run-in with a cat. You know, so I, I obviously have more problems with dogs on the street, but uh, a cat has uh come up to me for no reason and just started clawing at my leg, just oh like, just started, just started boxing my leg. I just, <laughs> it's like, what is this? And I had to like, like, I didn't kick it. I should have, <laughs> but I just like used my foot to try to like, uh I guess kind of kick it over just, you know, but not, not where I was kicking the cat. So, you know, if anyone's, you know, from PETA, I did not uh, abuse it. cat. <laughs> but but yeah I I actually another time I put mail through the the door slot and uh, the cat was on the other side trying to claw my fingers oh
0: my gosh
1: so um I'm not a huge fan. that's
0: terrible
1: yeah okay uh the next person we get is uh Julia played by Kira Sedgwick do you do you even know this actress she um I think she's on the show closer which I'm not sure if it's still on or not but that was one of her big things.
0: Oh, uh, no, I've never heard of her before this film.
1: <laughs> she is Mrs. Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, they've been together for quite a long time, actually.
0: Oh, good for so, them. Oh, yeah. that's cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's a. So her character, Julia, plays. A, she's a waitress at a com- comedy club. And apparently, she's been up there for five months because her boyfriend comes to see her. And he's, uh, you know, he lives like the farm life, right? So he's. He's a farmer, and we get some exposition. She wants to do something with her life, right? Because I guess her mom never really went anywhere, and she doesn't want to end up like her mom, so that's why she moved to the city. And uh, the the one thing, like in the comedy club, um, do you know the comedian that was on stage? Oh, was that like a cameo? That... It kind of yes. Uh, I, I I guess it's um, you know, Bob Newhart.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't really like. I didn't pay attention to that so much.
1: <laughs> oh well this this is actually one of those kind of like interesting trivia because I, I didn't know this until I, I read it. But the comedian that was on stage was supposed to be Bob Newhart, um, you know, comedian mm-hmm. and an actor, obviously, but uh the the person playing him is actually his son.
0: Oh oh that's so cute.
1: Yeah, so I, I just thought it was just some kind of random Uh, comedian on stage but apparently Mm. that club the i think it's called the purple onion is an actual club from san francisco so a little touch with history there um, i guess yeah so i brought that up because i thought it was kind of neat yeah but okay so john is julia's uh boyfriend here uh i guess he's got a uh like a like a loan to buy some land which of uh 300 of it would would be theirs and he just wants her to know like look you know, YOLO. Are we going to do this? <laughs> yes or no? Right? Uh, he he basically wants an answer. And I, I, I'm assuming he proposed and she just kind of said, let me move to the city first and figure things out. <laughs> Is that what we're assuming here? Because he doesn't ask her right mm-hmm. now, right?
0: Yeah. Like, I guess it's something like that. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know what she was doing. Like, moving to the city to figure things out. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway she hesitates, you know, when he kind of gives her that ultimatum and he feels that he got her answer by not answering, you know. (laughs) Uh, Did you think this was sad at all? What did you get from this uh, scene between the two? Because obviously they're on different pages.
0: Honestly, like, I couldn't really get connected with her character very well. I was just kind of, like, trying to figure out who's who at this point. So, like,
1: (laughs) I I wasn't really
0: heartbroken or anything.
1: Okay, you're just like, All right, um, <laughs> I, th- I think one of them is a character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and then the last of the four is a, uh, is Milo, again, played by Tom Sizemore. He's, a, he's not a cat burglar, but he's a thief, right? kind of mm-hmm. a petty thief. And uh, he is stealing back a sheet of stamps uh, from a guy that uh, hired him to steal from a little kid and we get to see this kid because milo he escapes uh marco who is his i, I guess we can call him previous employer <laughs> but uh milo is caught by marco uh trying to steal the stamps which he gets back uh M- marco that is and then uh while it, while escaping milo you know jumps off of the the building onto like a like a lower building and so he yeah, the kid yeah. happens to meet him outside and then we find out from the kid that the the stamps were actually given to him from his grandpa. So this is 1959. His grandpa giving it to him must have been 20, 30 years prior, or he's had them at least that long, right? So so we know that these stamps have some kind of sentimental value, but also they're old. So um, mm-hmm. so uh, did you have any thoughts on Milo from for this little story at all involving this this little boy?
0: Um, I I. <laughs> I just kind of thought of him as like some random Guido type. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I like how you threw in Guido there. That's, that's pretty funny. Uh, so so he would totally be hanging out uh, in Jersey Shore with uh, the situation and all of them.
0: Oh, yes, definitely. If it happened like a few years later.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be Milo instead of Vinny, perhaps, <laughs> on Jersey Shore. That, I, I would watch that, actually, with him <laughs> on there. Okay, so we we got the uh, the bus driver. I think his name's Hal, played by uh, David Paymer, who also. Ugh. uh, uh around, do, you, do you not like the the actor? No, not the actor. I just
0: didn't but like the his character. character.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bit of a perv. Um, in this scene, we we see him driving <laughs> a bus. He's looking over at this uh, car next to him, and. You know it this isn't his fault, but I mean he is kind of like he sh- maybe shouldn't be looking and should be driving, but in the car next to him, there's this man just like running his leg uh his hand up and up and down this woman's thighs so I mean anybody that looks over
0: I mean you
1: would kind of look right no
0: i i guess like- but but i here's the thing like I am very like conscientious about driving and stuff because like over the past few months, I have just had so much car drama and also like i've just seen so much car drama so it makes me very sensitive to people who aren't driving responsibly so just off the bat i was kind of like wow he's a bad driver must be a bad person
1: <laughs> yeah it could be um, so at, at this point um all four of the uh, the characters we had just listed they've gotten on this bus and uh again it's, um driven by david pamer and he's watching this fondling going on next to him and also we got the Riley's coming from the other direction the wife is pregnant she's having contractions so they're headed to the hospital um did you catch what the the bus number was or what what was on the uh the display of the bus
0: i I remember the bus was green, but that's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, the um, you, you know how like buses show like their next stop or or destination or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the bus it says four terminal.
0: <gasps> oh my gosh, that's oh I like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally nineties, you know. But uh, I, I I do like that too. So, um, so yeah, so the bus crashes, goes off of a bridge at the same point. Uh, a baby is baby is born and uh, it's thomas now would you think when when the the bus crashed and then we get the the, the four <laughs> ghosts here uh, climb out of the vehicle did <laughs> did you think they had died or were you just kind of questioning or just letting it unfold
0: well i would not have thought that they died i would have been like a bit like like suspicious had they not died but like originally i wasn't sure what to think yet but my friend who i was watching the movie with Informed me. Oh, there's no way they survived. They're so dead. They're so dead. They're ghosts now. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he was very uh, observant. Yes. So it's like <laughs> nobody can survive that. Um, one of the uh, things I remember from that episode of Movie Magic was when that uh, bus runs off of the bridge. That's a miniature, which I, I'm I'm sure that you kind of figure that, or did you think that was a real bus?
0: Um, I actually. Now I want to go back and rewatch that one scene just to <laughs> just to yeah. see.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the bus was a um that was a, mi- a miniature and I remember them showing that the opening shot. I don't know if you remember, but it's kind of like a is like an aerial shot of the city. You know, there's a lot of clouds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's that that's also a miniature. All those clouds are like cotton. Oh, and I remember seeing like that's the cool. guys standing <laughs> like on top of like the city like uh you know just kind of adjusting the cotton to make it look like clouds. Mm-hmm. So um so they did a lot of like uh you know kind of practical effects to get like certain shots. So um so I appreciate that type of filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. kind of a lost art and I think they're trying to go get back to things like that.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. So Thomas is born and uh, apparently they the, the 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 ghosts here they have some kind of boundaries, right? Because um we, we get a scene where thomas is a baby uh in his living room in his you know the walker right mm-hmm. and his dad's reading the newspaper and all four of the ghosts they're uh entertaining him but milo tries to make a run for it and like he hits like an invisible wall <laughs> so we they establish this rule that you can't um I guess stray too far away from from this baby for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So they don't know what the reason is yet. But uh, did you have any thoughts on this scene at all? Um, I know they're just kind of setting things up at this point.
0: At this point, I was kind of wondering if the baby was them. Well, not like them, but if they were the soul, kind of like so his combined. Or he was a combine or a combination. I don't know why I couldn't pull up that word.
1: It would be like uh like his different personalities, right? Yeah. They, yeah, yeah.
0: Like or okay. like if they were his subconscious or something. So yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I I think that's sometimes the best way to to watch a movie. Just just have a like a certain idea and you're like, Well, maybe it's something else. Um, all right. So we also see uh well, uh, the, the baby uh, apparently is singing Hug-A-Bug and his parents, <laughs> they hear that and they're like, well, they didn't know who taught him that, but he knows <laughs> the song Hug-A-Bug. This is before iPads and TVs, you know, with like little Einstein and things. So uh, they must have thought that was really weird for him to sing some kind of lullaby like no one seems to know. So we know that Penny's been teaching him that and singing that to Thomas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we get a quick, uh, so so that. Uh, that was pretty short so we see Thomas as a 7 year old kid at school and um, there's this uh, scene where he's in I guess history for a 7 year old (laughs) because the teacher is talking about the Battle of Gettysburg and the Civil War and stuff And, I'm trying
0: to remember if I learned about the Battle of Gettysburg and or when I was seven. Like that's that's outrageous.
1: <laughs> I don't even think I learned it in high school, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm exaggerating obviously. But uh, yeah, it is it is a, a little much, you know, for a kid. And I think obviously that's just because it's for this scene only, right? That mm-hmm. that only makes sense because we know uh, that Harrison worked worked in a library, so we see. Um, milo giving this i don't don't know what you call it it's not even like an oral report but he just had something to add to his yeah yeah (laughs) uh, teachings and you know so he does this uh this presentation i guess on a gettysburg did you think that was cute at all
0: I okay, so I do not like kids at all, and I I hated myself for like thinking he was cute, but yeah, it was cute. It was really <laughs> adorable. <laughs>
1: yeah, so he got that from Harrison, obviously, uh, and then Thomas goes to the bathroom, and then they uh, perform "Walk Like a Man." Uh, you, you know, that's one thing I did forget to do was kind of look up when this song came out, because um, I know it is an older song by uh, Frankie and the Oh, I might lose some cred here, but something seasons. <laughs>
0: Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons.
1: Four Seasons. Thank yeah. you. I was about to say New Seasons, but that's a <laughs> that's a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you. um <laughs> So we see that. that's It was pretty funny. He's singing. Then the teacher walks by and opens up the door and sees him dancing in the bathroom by himself. So mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> she, she thinks he's crazy. Um, we get a brief scene with uh, them at the track race, the horse race. And so Milo takes a stab at it and has uh, Thomas place a bet. Um, and in order to have the bet placed, Thomas had to tell the the bookie that uh, he'd have to has to place to bed or his father would beat him.
0: <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> like, I mean, not like the scene itself, but just like the concept.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I forgot about this particular uh, moment in the scene. And I was just like, wow, they, they had him do some bad stuff, you know? I mean, I remember what does happen like right after this. Uh, but basically, child welfare uh, you know shows up and you know tells his parents that well thomas has been seen at the truck race you know placing bets for you and you would beat him if he he didn't do so
0: i feel terrible for laughing at that
1: <laughs> i but but it yeah the situation's obviously uh really sad but i mean it is kind of funny
0: yeah i mean they want it to be funny they're not like trying to make it tragic or anything
1: they're not. I mean, even the man that shows up from the uh, child welfare department, he's kind of, you know, he he almost looks like the Monopoly guy, right? Just not as old. <laughs> I mean, he is balding. He's got the mustache and the the glasses. So, um, but we do get a fight between, you know, uh, Thomas's parents. You know, it's a pretty heated fight. They're not really blaming each other, but they're definitely not on the same page as, uh, at things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, his dad was suggesting, like, a, uh, child psychiatrist
0: yeah that that scene was so like real like the fight was just very realistic it was yeah that that one was like a whammy kind of
1: (laughs) it kind of was and also because like you do see you know thomas and the the four they're like sitting over by the stairs listening in you know and Mm -hmm. that's that's never a good thing to have uh you know fighting and your kids hearing and you thinking not, not knowing that they're actually they're listening as well so that's that's always rough so um, because of this fight the four decide to disappear on Thomas because they feel that they're obviously affecting uh, him uh, what do you think about the scene of them uh, disappearing having to say goodbye
0: at first it was pretty sad um, you know like they're disappearing one by one and you know he's like what I'll change like it, it kind of reminds you of like a breakup or something and the kid's like no I'm, I'm sorry what did I do he doesn't understand why so that was really sad but then they kept going on and on and after a little bit it's like okay okay all right yeah yes I'm crying now can, can we proceed <laughs> like yeah. I just felt I was a bit dragged out <laughs>
1: okay okay i can see that uh a couple of things i noticed that you know obviously i have seen this quite a bit of times I, I own this movie and i've been very guilty of <laughs> lending it out to people and they're like oh okay yeah you know it's 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 all right and i'm just like what are you talking about it's amazing it's a <laughs> great movie <laughs> no but uh there's uh did you notice the painting above his bed
0: um i did not
1: there was a painting uh that he he Painted, you know, clearly it's a child mm-hmm. art, basically, and it's it's him holding hands with uh, his four friends, Aww. you know, and and I think they're like floating in the sky, and then like next uh, next to that is like a opera poster, you know, so he got that because of Harrison, yeah. <laughs> so there's these little touches in his bedroom. Um, I do like the thing when Milo disappears, you know, he does like the, the little gun twirl. And sh- shoots at him, calls him buckaroo. So <laughs> I think I, I see what you mean by this particular like disappearances being dragged out. But I think you are also kind of getting things from each of these characters, so that way later on it's familiar to us. Like, oh right, uh, Milo used to do the hand, uh-huh. you know, the handguns with him, and um, yeah, it, it was it was it was really sad. Um, I'll be honest, I cried.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, it's just because like. Uh, I I feel like we're getting a lot from these characters, like right off the bat. I, I don't know how long into the movie it was at this point, but we got to see all four of them in, you know, briefly in their actual lives. And then we see the, um, not the chemistry but basically the attachment of these four with Thomas growing up so yeah it it was sad and you know maybe because you know I am a dad now (laughs) you know and and that was you know they're like the surrogate parents you know so seeing that it was it was really tough for me (laughs) but maybe because like I don't know I mean this this can be like a like a me thing too from my childhood that you know maybe my parents weren't quite there and loving and it's like you know, maybe I didn't have the friends like he did and for them to leave. So I, I could kind of feel mm-hmm. feel him, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why that that it, it hit me probably a, a little bit more than most. That could be because
0: um, um, I'm an only child. So, you know, all the love and affection my parents ever had came right on to me. Very fortunate in that regard. Well, there so. you go. I'm an <laughs>
1: oldest of four. And by this point, let's see, 1993, I only had two siblings. I now have four. Four, so oh, wow. um, so yeah. So as, as you know, as more came, I, I guess more less attention on me. So that's why I watched a bunch of movies growing up. So yeah, I guess we're learning a little bit more about Peter by yes. with every episode.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> All right.
1: So we get a, a flash forward to present time, and um, Thomas is now thirty-four from from my math here, if I can math correctly. So. That's a little interesting he's a couple years older than 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 myself at this point i I don't know if uh, Robert Downey jr was 34 but I was just like kind of crazy because I still look at him like like a lot older than me in this movie even though we're
0: kind of close <laughs> to the same age yeah I know what you mean um for for me like a lot of people like find Robert Downey jr to be like attractive and like a sex icon and stuff. I've never really seen him like that because I think that the earliest thing I saw him in was Iron Man. So, two thousand eight.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: by that time, he was already looking old enough to be my dad. (laughs) So, like, I probably
1: was. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I recognize that he's like an attractive man and stuff, but like, you know, to me, I just never thought of him in the way that other people do. But in this movie, that was different. Like in this movie, I was like, okay, he's younger. All right. I see him. <laughs> yeah,
1: you you get it in this movie, like yes, okay, yes. all right, all right. Uh, now I will have to pull a picture from like a weird. Have you seen Weird Science?
0: Oh, I don't think so.
1: Okay, yeah, he he's in there. Uh, he's in obviously a lot of uh, uh, more movies from the eighties, but there that movie Tough Turf that I mentioned earlier. He's like, I don't know how old he was in there. Probably early twenties, maybe mid twenties. But he's even like skinnier than he is in this movie. <laughs> oh my you gosh. Know, so, yeah, he, he has a scene like without his shirt, and he's got like, uh, he hasn't quite gotten there as far as like <laughs> the muscles and stuff. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts
0: on okay. that uh,
1: in that movie. Okay, so is he a lawyer?
0: I, I didn't get the sense of like what he does exactly. I just get busy business person. That's
1: snob. And because there was one point where he's like a, on his car phone and. I think he was talking to somebody about uh, the, the recent car detail they did on his car. And he said that some, they were incompetent and hangs up on them like in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> so he's that guy.
0: Yeah. He's that person. That's the. It, it kind of reminded me of a less intense version of like the character he plays nowadays, you know, very sarcastic and, you know, humorous. He's still likable somehow, but yeah, it was just like a toned down version of that kind of.
1: Have you seen The Judge?
0: I have not. I've heard about it, though.
1: Okay, I I wonder how different it is from there, because I haven't seen it either. But I'd be, you know, I wonder if it's the same type of character, despite one being a a drama and this one being comedy. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how close that is. Uh, Okay, so we meet uh, his girlfriend, who's played by Elizabeth Shue. She plays Anne. And uh, Julia thinks she's the one. And we find out very quickly that he's been avoiding her parents. (laughs) So it's a big step. So here we find out that he obviously has commitment issues. And uh, because she also brings up like uh, the symbolism of not owning his apartment keys. So uh, basically, knowing that, not meeting the parents, we can kind of assume that they've been together for quite a while, right? Like the whole Mm -hmm. keys thing. Like I feel like you got to be with each other for quite a while to even consider giving each other keys
0: oh yeah oh yeah definitely i honestly did not feel very connected to her as a character because we barely know anything about her or her and um uh thomas so it, it was hard to like really feel like their relationship was an important part of the story um and yeah so i kind of struggled with that that was one problem i had with the movie
1: I, I can definitely see what you're saying, and I felt it more so in this particular scene. Is because you're right; we don't get anything with her, though. Uh, and but they tell us from Julia. Julia thinks that she's the one, you know, she because she says as much. So we're only supposed to get that by uh, exposition in a brief one at that. But if you think about it, the focus is on the four ghosts. Mm-hmm. So. I think the the little bit of her that we get throughout the movie, it works for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, just, just off the bat, you're right. There, there's not a whole lot of meat to her character right now. Um, because even when they're like, oh, I think she's the one. I'm not really getting it from their little bit of dialogue mm-hmm. here. You know, I, it just sounds like she's just kind of needy. You know, like, yeah. I need you to meet my parents. I need the keys to your Yeah, you apartment. don't see
0: them, like, getting along. Like, when you think of people who are, like, meant for each other, you think of them like getting along having like really nice moments and like you just don't see that you just see the downside of the relationship and that's really not a good way to present a relationship starting out in a film if you want yeah. the relationship to be perceived as the ultimate one for the people involved anyways
1: yeah uh so the bus that they all died in shows up out of nowhere they're at this conservatory or or, or something yeah uh, yeah yeah and um the the bus driver I kinda like it. He's like, it's time, move or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I did I thought, like that. <laughs> yeah, it was kinda funny. Uh, uh, apparently he's been late, like fifteen, twenty years is what he throws out for picking them up. Which they didn't know. Uh the the bus driver explains that um well they were supposed to use uh Thomas as a vehicle to kind of right the wrongs in their lives you know that something that would have made their life complete Mm -hmm. you know um, prior to dying Uh and it's funny because the bus driver, he's like, oh, you know, there was an angel that was supposed to come <laughs> tell you guys this thing. That didn't happen. And they're like, no, you know, they're ov- they're clearly upset. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, they they know he's the guy that killed or, you know, that was responsible for their death. But I thought it was funny. The thing that popped out for me, because, you know, I have seen all this. I'm like, OK, <laughs> well, I'm going to focus on other things uh, a little bit. So the with the bus driver saying, hey, oh, the angel didn't come see you. So even in heaven, mistakes are made.
0: Yeah, that that is an interesting viewpoint. You're getting real philosophical there.
1: <laughs> Just a little bit. So yeah, I, I think there should have been some compensation, a little bit more wiggle room for things because there was a mistake made. So I, <laughs> I, I wonder who dropped the ball on that and they should have their wings removed or suspended. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I wasn't really for thinking
0: about that. I was just kind of putting all the blame on the bus driver because you know he's the one who delivers the message. So naturally, I just assumed that everything was his fault. And he was late, and they were misinformed. So you know, I already didn't like him because of the whole crashing the bus and being an unsafe driver. And now he's still an unsafe driver in heaven. So <laughs> yeah, that that just furthered my dislike of his character. <laughs>
1: And I think that's what you're supposed to feel, right? Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be supposed to be in the 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 ghost's shoes and just not like this guy. Mm-hmm. So, but I I do think he's funny, you know. Um. All right. So. So okay, we find out they're supposed to use Thomas, but at what point? Because they were attached to him from birth, they would have to wait until he was like seven anyway. So. First off, when this was that angel trying to like yeah.
0: steal back stuff like?
1: yeah uh, or even uh, how do you rekindle the flame of Julia and John you know, as, a, <laughs> as a baby or a toddler so even like when he was 7 years old you know where we got that Thomas like what do you do with him you know how do you fend off Marco and, and a Rottweiler <laughs> you know so things like yeah, that yeah like
0: the adorableness only goes so far <laughs> right
1: exactly I guess we can just uh, jump to when they uh, decide to reappear um <laughs> It was in the middle of a driving, right? They just... Oh, yeah, yeah. He he was... Uh, Thomas was driving. And they're like, all right, well, we got to... We got to concentrate so we can connect to him again. <laughs> and so they start singing Walk Like a Man. And Milo doesn't think it works. So they stopped singing. And then all of a sudden, Thomas starts humming the song and Mm -hmm. ultimately singing the song so they reappear scare the crap out of him (laughs) everyone's (laughs) screaming and i thought that was funny at that moment when everybody started screaming and looking at each other i was like you know what they don't make movies like this anymore (laughs) and i thought that was actually pretty funny
0: yeah it was so ironic that it caused him to crash
1: (laughs) yeah a lot of a lot of bad drivers in this movie (laughs) Well, right, I don't so, know if
0: that's necessarily his fault, because if somebody appeared in my passenger seat, I would be freaking out. Like I freak out if a bee appears in my car. So sure, <laughs> if no, it's no, like good a full grown man. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, and and there was three people in the back seat. So you know, yeah, I, exactly. I, 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 I can see that. You're right. Okay, <laughs> so it's not his fault not yet. Okay, so Thomas, uh, he wakes up in a hospital bed, <laughs> and they're still there, and he remembers them. But uh, thinks they're hallucinations. Mm-hmm. The so, hallucinations
0: are back, <laughs>
1: right? And and I think I think it was Harrison that mentions like, oh, I didn't I didn't know he thought of us as hallucinations. But they've been attached with him the entire time. Like they should have been there like during yeah. his uh, uh, his sessions with you know the doctor and stuff like that. So they should have been around the time that he came to terms that they were actual hallucinations. So, but that's fine. Yeah, you we'll know, it's just things yeah. that I was pointing mm-hmm. out all right so uh, thomas decides to go to the psych ward and he sees a lady (laughs) who can see the four what did you think of that scene there
0: i thought that was a little bit odd like i wasn't sure if she was just crazy or if she was somebody who thought that she was a um, supernatural person what are those things called um a psychic Uh, yeah i don't know why i couldn't think of that word but yeah maybe like a psychic who everybody thought was crazy
1: yeah like a medium or something um what I thought was interesting was that uh it 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 always kind of threw me off I I always wondered like is she a patient too because she's wearing normal clothes and usually you know I just associate (laughs) patients wearing some kind of scrubs or or something that makes uh you know some kind of uniform that makes them stand out because she she looked like she was just some regular person just Mm -hmm. sitting in the lobby Mm -hmm. you know so um for like a new orderly how do you know that that's even a patient i guess (laughs) you know but um i thought it was really funny when uh thomas you know he comes you know he kind of sneaks in and sits next to her tries to act all nonchalant and he's like hi and she goes oh not today i'm i'm not on medication (laughs) or something (laughs) like that did you catch that joke
0: yeah (laughs)
1: okay so obviously it went over my head as a kid but uh i was like okay well that makes sense now i
0: thought
1: that was kind of funny but yeah, she can see the uh, see the people, so he does realize that they are there and real. And we we get uh this line, Thomas does not want to help them at all. He he blames them, you know, for for leaving him at that age, you know, in life, and he he considers his life as being screwed up. So I didn't I didn't really get that before. So uh so that's interesting that I that they that he blames them.
0: Whoa. The I think I think they kind of gave him abandonment issues like you notice how he does not want to meet his girlfriend's parents and I think that's because he doesn't want to get attached to a new set of parents because you know what if what if they up and leave him like he just has this sense of like abandonment so that could be why he's afraid of commitment and I think he kind of knows that and so that's why he blames them like even though they have good intentions.
1: Right. I actually did uh, remember that once uh, in a pre- past viewing where I'm like, OK, commitment issues because they left him. And and now now for this review, I'm, uh, I'm looking at other things. So good on you. <laughs> That's why you're on the show. I helped. Yeah. The, so we get the uh, this board meeting that Thomas is in and this is where they decide to uh, to try to go ahead and use his body. And Julia's the first one to try out Thomas.
0: Uh, <laughs> Can I just say, I don't know why they decided a board meeting would be a good time to do that. They have just terrible timing. They decide that they're going to reappear to him for the first time in however many years while he's driving a car. And then they decide to try, like, testing out his body while he's in a board meeting. Like, that's that's such inconvenient timing.
1: <laughs> what? Uh, How do you think of... Um uh Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) as Julia
0: okay it was kind of bad like it was it was funny but it was like the kind of funny where you just want to be like oh no this is not happening like and I I honestly think that they were relying a lot on like just seeing like oh let's see how sassy Robert Downey Jr. can be Um, like (laughs) that's what that made me think of kind of
1: you know uh, you you bring up a great point of like uh, how sassy you know um because like some some of these characters they are, uh, they're I don't want to say they're overplayed as far as their character types and stuff like that, but it's they they they're trying to be distinguish distinguishable enough that Robert Downey Jr. can also mimic, mm-hmm. you know, these these characteristics of of these characters. So yeah, I I totally get that. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny seeing RDJ you know walking around like. Uh, you know putting his hands on on these older men and coming on to them and stuff so i thought that was pretty funny And
0: yeah i don't know why she chooses to do this like you don't need to like if you want to jump into his body you don't have to do things that you know are going to like get him into some trouble like like i know that they were trying to convince him to help them but that just did not seem like the best way to go about it
1: yeah um, so what do you think of Milo taking over where he comes on to like the, the one woman in the room? Um,
0: I can't, you that. don't want to know how long it's been since I've had sex. <laughs> oh, right.
1: Yeah. He drops that line too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really funny because I, when Julia was in his body, she, she was like, come on, 11 men and one woman, we can do better than that. Then Milo comes in and is like, Hey, <laughs> sex. <laughs> Pretty funny. So basically they, they, um, they tell thomas look we're we're gonna basically we're gonna threaten you but we're gonna by uh you know doing this and ruining your life if you don't help us yeah they kind of have to (laughs) it's it's you know they have no choice right
0: yeah like either you can do it willingly or we're going to take your body and do it for you
1: (laughs) yeah time is uh time is of the essence and what I forgot to mention was that the bus driver says, look, uh, th- they asked him to stall, obviously, because he was supposed to pick up all four. Mm-hmm. And they're just now finding out this is what they got to do. So the bus driver agrees that he will come back and take one of them at a time. But they have to be ready when he shows up. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's another reason why they're kind of doing what they're doing. So the timing sucks, but I get it. They they're they don't have a lot of time. <laughs> they don't know how much time they actually have. OK, OK. Yeah um so we uh we'll jump to uh milo, who wants to make things right um and so they're back at marco's place you know uh milo's previous employer, and the stamps are there uh he breaks in uh again more character acting from r d j what would you think of him as milo uh breaking in here
0: um i i kind of i kind of liked it um i I don't know why, like, he needed to possess his body for him to break in. But, like, at the same time, I thought it was pretty entertaining. And I liked I liked the bit with the dog. I'm sure you can relate to that.
1: Sure, yeah, he <laughs> gets chased by a, a Rottweiler. Well, um, Milo had to be in his body to be able to uh, to get those stamps. So, so RDJ has to be inside the house. Well, I, I need to start saying Thomas. Thomas needed to be inside <laughs> the house to be able to get the stamps that's that, that's the only reason that he had to break in mm-hmm. um yeah, so Marco is still there they have a little fight, but um it's funny because that one building that Milo <laughs> jumped onto earlier in the movie is no longer there that
0: was good that was really good <laughs> yeah,
1: so they tore that down, you know, and it, it kind of shows like the economy around the area isn't so good, I guess, but yeah the the building is completely gone it's an open lot with like a for sale sign or something. Mm yeah and so uh so he has to climb down, and it's like it's just a series of bad events you know he uh he's holding on to the gutter, that breaks, he climbs down on this what is that thing where they put against the wall where the vines can grow along it?
0: I don't know a vine grower, let's call it a vine grower,
1: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah so, so he climbs down on that, and that falls, and yeah, just a bunch of bad mm-hmm. juju but keeps he's happening. A professional. he is a professional he's been doing this for years clearly (laughs) so he goes to his car where there's a cop and uh he basically gets arrested because he's got like like over two thousand dollars of unpaid uh parking tickets and, and violations
0: which was a bit confusing because he seems like this really successful businessman so i don't understand how he's so in debt
1: well you know he probably just uh he doesn't think that uh, he deserves these, you know. He's above paying them, perhaps.
0: Okay, I, I can get behind that explanation. <laughs>
1: but it is a weak plot device. It, it's just a reason to get him uh, arrested for a certain reason that we won't, you know, reveal quite yet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he goes to jail, and then we meet a uh, Sergeant Barkley that is, I guess, doing the paperwork, like the admin stuff uh, for processing mm-hmm. this this uh, this arrest. I guess you can say, and. So then we get a, a brief scene of uh, Thomas missing the meeting of Anne's parents, which he agreed to earlier. And I thought it was pretty funny because he's, like, driving recklessly and he just happens to miss her parents. And they shout at each other because, like, Thomas was in the middle of the road. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. But, but they have a little fight, you know. Um, and I, I guess I kind of jumped the gun a little bit, but this is actually where we get the scene where she brings up the keys.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. The fight. So, but anyway, uh, they they return the stamps uh, to the old man, which I guess he still lives in, lives in the same house.
0: Mm-hmm. That that was kind of a heartwarming moment.
1: Yeah, uh, 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 and also because of Milo, Milo mm-hmm. was very happy. You know, his you can see it in his face, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the that, that little boy. That Milo gave the stamps back to. He's obviously a grown man now. I don't know if you noticed this, but his kid looks half Asian. So hey, good on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, what do you think of the scene of them performing "Walk Like a Man" down the street?
0: I. It was. Um, I don't know. On it one hand, silly? yeah, it was silly. But on the other hand, it was. I like. I understand. Like they were trying to like do the throwback and show that Thomas is sort of beginning to accept them and yeah you know so like i liked it in that regard but then it also was silly especially um man what was her name the mother of the three kids penny penny yeah penny just looked really silly doing it i thought Uh, (laughs) she just struck me like
1: (laughs) she was probably like i don't know why i'm doing this um but sure it's for the movie uh yeah so milo gets picked up and then uh penny uh it's i guess it's her turn and uh, she wants to find her kids so she goes back to her house it's clearly it's not vandalized but it's you can see you know um it has gone to crap like over the years you know people have spray painted on it it's a bunch of garbage uh-huh. and trash but the uh, old lady agnes still lives there with the cats <laughs> So we find out that our, her two little girls uh, moved to Sacramento, you know, they're in uh, San Fran. So uh, I'm sure just hours away. Right. So not too far. At least they're, they're still in the same state. But uh, Agnes lost track of Billy, you know, her her, her son. And uh, I guess he got into like the foster system and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, w- was that kind of sad for you to find, find that out?
0: Yeah, definitely. I...
1: So. <laughs> So yeah, they had to kind of split up the kids and you're like, okay, wow, even harder for her to kind of find them all, you know, in this little bit of time that they got. So I guess they kind of jump to, um, they're they're driving, right? And then all of a sudden Penny, she sees like a, like a BB, BB King concert. Mm -hmm. And so, so they're like, okay, well, while we're here, let's have Harrison sing. So they, uh, what do you think of Penny? taking Thomas Thomas's body for a ride to, to get them into this BB uh, King concert.
0: I actually did really like that one. Like I thought it was much better done than the first time he gets possessed. Um, just cause I, I think I liked Penny like more than the other characters of it. Um, cause she just seems like a very genuinely good person. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> how how I, about I thought, you? <laughs>
1: I I, I enjoyed it. I did. Um, to see Robert Downey Jr. play a Southern black woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had the accent and the uh, he was very animated in his uh, physical, you know, acting there. And I, I do like the part where, okay, so obviously he's trying to get them all in. Well, him, because it's just, you know, just a just one guy. But, um, so he's trying to convince this this guard to let him through mm-hmm. and stuff. And he's like, you know, uh, he talks about like, "Well, my Rolls Royce is being blocked by your cars out there." You know, don't talk to me about blah blah blah. I'm a mother. He's like, I mean, and then I'm a I thought doctor. he was and saying he, that he
0: was a surgeon too <laughs> or something.
1: Right, but it was just funny because he, uh, you know, because Penny, yeah, she's she's a mother. So I, I just thought that the writing of that was really funny. Yes. So, so uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a funny scene. So, um, they they get in and. Harrison is, uh, he sings the Star Spangled Banner. So I kind of like this because, you know, you get to find out a little bit more. And there's a line that uh, Thomas drops that that I was just kind of like, ooh, you know, that's some shade thrown there. But um, yeah, Harrison just, he continues to have the stage fright. We find out that he's just scared of failure. You know, a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, have that fear and thomas says no offense harrison you died a failure because you never tried you know and i'm just like "Ooh, yeah you know, that... like
0: burn <laughs> yeah
1: exactly so he uh, but he sings you. it yeah and he did
0: i always forget that robert downey jr can sing
1: I, you know i kind of wonder. do you think that was really his
0: voice i think so because i've seen him sing on stuff before like i've always known that he can sing um yeah. they might have like dubbed it or something to make him sound more oh, sure. operatic operatic i don't know that word uh, operatic okay yeah. um so so yeah i i did enjoy that <laughs>
1: no i I did wonder because it does sound like very close to his own voice, mm-hmm. uh, but i I' just I'm not uh, exactly sure if he's got that range, but you're right, you know in post-production they probably changed it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody else, but it, it looked really good, and you can tell that it was already you know re-recorded because oh, yeah. The, the yeah the the editing wasn't so great, but yeah <laughs> it, it, it sounded good um in my opinion, well, Charles Grodin probably can't sing I mean I don't know. But that would have been interesting if it had, it actually came out in Harrison's voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess they decided not to fool around with that. They just said, okay, you know what, just just sing well. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. And so um, Anne and her parents happened to be there. and uh, I,
0: I liked that. I thought that was like a really good twist of events.
1: <laughs> yeah, because she brings it up, too. So, you know, so he just wasn't thinking. But, yeah, that... that she brought up that there was a concert, I think, but that was it. She didn't say who it was or anything. Um, but, yeah, he gets arrested again. And then we see, uh, you know, Sergeant Barkley yet again. And he gets in a fight with Anne this time. And do uh, you, you think he didn't try hard enough for this? Because he lets her walk, walk away. I,
0: I mean, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. I think deep down he kind of knew that he messed up and – Sometimes when you mess up with a woman, you just want to let her cool down before you try to get anything done constructive. And, you know, he did throw himself on her car. So like that was, that was an effort.
1: Yeah. I I just like how, you know, you got Penny and Julia that are like, yeah, yeah, we don't know if you did enough (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. And then he gets mad and I don't know see, this is, this is on Thomas, but he reverses like a madman out of the parking spot. He wasn't even like going slow. And then, He rear-ends the car. Of course. Lo and behold, it is Sergeant Barkley. So he just keeps running into this man. Like,
0: what? That's crazy. Oh, so nice to see you again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and then the bus shows up. And they haven't accomplished anything yet Mm -hmm. at this point. Because Harrison's already gone. And uh, it's funny, too, because uh, we we see Thomas, you know, trying to barter, I guess. Or negotiate with the bus driver. And um, the... The uh Sergeant Barkley and his mm-hmm. wife, they see him talking to himself and it's like, what is going on? And Sergeant Barkley's like, I only have myself to blame. I keep putting <gasps> him back on the street. <laughs> so I thought that was great. You know, the line delivery from the actor, it was funny. But uh long story short, we find out that Sergeant Barkley is Penny's son. Did that Having any effect on you at all well
0: it would have been a big reveal it would have been a shocking revelation except my lovely acquaintance with whom i was watching this decided like way before this like the first time that he was in sergeant barkley's office you know he's like oh that's the only black guy in the movie i bet it's penny's son
1: <laughs> oh god so, you yeah, we were watching it with one of those people one
0: of those people yes like no this is this guy is fantastic he's a really fun person Sure. But yeah, sure. he had to be that person, and I shouldn't talk oh. too badly about him just in case he listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's too bad that that kind of because yeah, because that's obviously going to be in the back of your mind. Like you know what, you might be right. So yeah. so I guess the reveal didn't hit you <laughs> as hard because yeah, for me it was heartwarming and I started tearing up.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was heartwarming. Like I I didn't tear up, but yeah, I might have. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then, you know, when she sees her granddaughter, she's like, this is my grandbaby, you know, and that was just like, just more just adding to it, you know, just like, oh, no, I forgot about the damn grandkid. <laughs> so it was a really happy moment. Um,
0: when she tries to hug him. I thought that was great.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, she she takes <laughs> over Thomas's body and then hugs. the Yeah, so, And she's, she, she whispers in his ear, I have never left you or something. Yeah, it was pretty great. You're right. Penny's probably the, the best one yes. of the bunch um all right so we jump to julia and she writes this note you know they keep coming up with the story about like how uh, thomas comes up with this thing so this note is just written and thomas is like oh don't worry i'll just tell him that you wrote this this got stuck in some paperwork at the hospital that kind of thing Mm -hmm. in my mind i'm like but that's fresh ink
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh damn (laughs) yeah
1: so uh but anyway bus shows up early and they try to outrun the bus and they they drive down to John's farm, meets a uh, some man there. Apparently, you know he he purchased uh, the farm from John like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And Julia finds out that John has died. Did you see? And this wasn't played for like like cry. You know, it it wasn't supposed to be sentimental in that way. Because I felt like when they just revealed it, it it was just kind of like oh well, damn. You know, like I wasn't like oh, like what did you. Yeah feeling the scene
0: well i honestly felt like the least emotionally attached to julia so i was kind of like okay. oh well oh no what are they gonna do is the bus driver actually her love or something <laughs> <laughs> and then well i thought well actually did you want to say something about it sorry
1: yeah i was just gonna say that the bus driver does make because um Thomas, he he he's he's clearly upset, mm-hmm. and he's he tells the bus driver like, look, he he's died. She can't do anything. And the bus driver's like, are you are you sure? Maybe it's a different guy. I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, if John died, I'm assuming he went to heaven. Wouldn't you guys kind of know that? You know? <laughs> so come on, heaven, get it together. You got you guys uh-huh. send a bus driver 15, 20 years late, mm-hmm. um, and and all these things. But um I do like the scene bus driver
0: get into heaven. Like that's what I wanna know. <laughs> I, don't
1: know. I don't know. You're you're right. He I did think people. that myself. Four people and and he doesn't yeah, he just doesn't have it together. Uh-huh. But uh I like the scene because it's it's raining. Thomas is completely wet, but the bus driver and Julia are both completely dry. So I I do mm-hmm. wonder how they kind of shot that. Yeah, um, I did
0: like that. I liked the fact that he suddenly like cares about them. Well, you know, not suddenly, because obviously, like, you could see his affection for them kind of growing. Uh, so, so yeah, that, um I thought that was nice.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, so, but Julia finds out that it's actually him that she needs to to kind of help out with uh, his relationship with Anne, you know, because he's doing what she did with John, kept on pushing him away, you know, um, but she's going to help right wrong. So, I guess she just has a pep talk with him yeah. and everything's better. She d-
0: yeah, I guess so. But that, to be completely honest, that was just extremely underwhelming for me. Yeah. Like it felt like, it was. Um, you know, the term deus ex machina, the Latin term. Yeah. Yeah. So it means like when a god comes out of the machine in like an Athenian drama and fixes everything, makes it better. And that's that's perfectly acceptable in Athenian dramas. But this was kind of like that. Like, you know, everything is just... Like, let me just snap my fingers and put everything well. Like So I didn't really like that, personally.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm just thinking, like, um, so... Did they know like once thomas was born that he was going to have like relationship issues because oh they, gosh, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they created this issue like for him so that's their fault so she's she's writing like the ghost is uh wrong she's
0: writing a wrong from her death basically yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh yeah so that's basically it um it wraps up like like any comedy romance. Everything is all well and kind of an unclimactic uh, ending to Thomas and Anne working things out by mm-hmm. him giving her keys to his apartments. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, you want to go ahead and give a rating?
0: Um, yeah, sure. I'm because it had like some really good moments. I'm going to give it three out of five stars because I just felt that overall there were some characters that. Like, they were just really, like, easy to love. Like, even um, Thomas, even though he's a bit of a jerk in the beginning, he he, get, he becomes very lovable. Um, and so do, like, Penny and Milo and um, the Broadway singer or the one who wants to be a Broadway singer. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the characters. So that that made the movie, like, a pretty decent experience
1: yeah all right um for me, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna go a little high um i'm gonna give it a four stars, and obviously, you know, I have an attachment to this movie when you know watching it when I was ten years old uh so like for me, you know, I was in Thomas's shoes when those four disappeared, you know, I was sad too, you know, so um, yeah, because of that, the nostalgic factor. Uh, I still really enjoyed this movie. I think that the writing's pretty good. You know, they uh, have callbacks and they drop little clues for for things. I mean, it, it's not that uh, intelligent of a movie, right? It's not smart and cerebral. You you don't have to think a lot about it. And um, basically, it's just you know, it, if you check your head of the brain. I mean, it's a it's a fantasy, right? I mean, there's four ghosts. Um, <laughs> You know, So it, it's a comedy romance. I obviously know what type of movie this is, so uh, I so I enjoy it because of that. So I'm going to give it a four stars. So do you want to go ahead and uh, tell the listeners where they can check out some of your work and where they can find
0: you? Okay, so um, if you would like to see some of my writing, you can do so at realredreviews.net. That's R-E-E-L-R-E-D. R-E-V-I-E-W-S. So yeah, real with two E's, not (laughs) E-A. Yeah, it
1: will be in the show notes, so yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, and then also I'm at Screen Relish, and I would just like to say thank you so much for having me on, Peter. It's always such a pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise. All right, and for me, uh, Hydrate Level 4 is uh, part of the uh, Following Films network, so you can find... Uh, the uh, you know updated content on followingfilms.com dot com along with my other podcasts original remake uh, and other great shows such as war machine vs. war horse pop culture case study and true romance film podcast uh, you can check out my other show we got five that I host with Devin on core dot com and also back to the future the animated series podcast uh, at aaronspace dot com. So until the next episode, I'm Peter.
0: And I'm Alicia.
1: And this is Hydrate Level 4.